This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System L-I-V-E Live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. And uh, Scott, we made it. We made it. We made it. We made it to the end of the NBA season. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks winning a championship in 2021. Scott, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm doing better than the Suns today, Colin. I, I'm doing well, though. It's been a crazy season, but um, I thought a great playoffs from start to finish and obviously an incredible finals, which, which we're going to talk about. But how are you doing? I, I cannot complain, my friend. I am uh, grateful that this is this is my fifth full NBA season as a full-time employee to be able to cover the league. So grateful for that, and uh, it, it is good to be able to get to another finish line um, to to, to kind of see the championship be hoisted, uh, and great to see it, you know, for the first time in Milwaukee in a long, 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 long time, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, on this program, we will talk about uh, the next step. And that's the Olympic Games. We'll discuss that a little bit uh, at the end of this episode. We'll also talk about talk about the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we'll talk about Giannis and his greatness. But first, we have to start with the championship series. What a series it was, Scott. Uh, I think many people outside of the NBA bubble, which we live in and work in, uh, looked at this series and said, eh, you know, Phoenix, Milwaukee, two smaller markets, no no LeBron, no Kevin Durant, no Steph Curry. It's not going to be the greatest of series. And then, boom, lo and behold, it's uh, it, it goes down as potentially an all timer for you know uh, for Giannis Antetokounmpo specifically. But uh, what an incredible run uh, for both these teams to just get to the finals. But then they gave us a very entertaining series with everything you could ask for, really. Uh, absolutely. And it's it's funny going into this series, it's easy to forget that the biggest question mark was Giannis and how his knee was going to be after he hyperextended it in that series in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Atlanta Hawks. And I, I thought it was going to be a pretty competitive series regardless of Giannis's condition. I think I had the Suns in six. I just went with them because I, I figured, you know, the uncertainty around his health just kind of had me leaning towards the Suns. Um, but not only was it a surprise to see him suit up in game one, I mean, he had one of the greatest all-time finals performances and just did absolutely everything on both ends of the court and cemented himself as, I mean, he was already trending towards all-time greatness. But, um, you know, some of the the company that he's joined and what he did uh, speaks for itself. But it was just from start to finish, you know, the drama of the Suns going up 2-0 and Milwaukee having uh, the Bucks having to go back to Milwaukee for a game three and, you know, taking care of business, then then taking care of home court advantage in game four and then beating the Suns in game five and closing out in front of their home crowd. Um, it was just a very competitive series. I thought high level of basketball from both teams on both ends of the court. Um, you know, we had Devin Booker stepping up in his first playoff run, um, one of the league's rising stars, going back-to-back 40-point games and really proving himself that that he's kind of ready for these moments. Chris Middleton, once again, showing up whenever the Bucks need him to. Drew Holiday proving himself to be, if not, you know, arguably the best perimeter defender, um, at least at the guard position in the league. And Chris Paul kind of having his moments here and there, although it, it was kind of an underwhelming series, I think, in general for him. But um, yeah, I, I 
it I was pretty excited about this series being a fan of both the the Suns and the Bucks and what they've been able to accomplish but I mean it, it absolutely shattered my expectations yeah it, it did mine as well and I'm, I'm like you I, I you know full disclosure I had the Suns winning in five because I thought that Giannis wouldn't be able to play obviously he proved everyone wrong um, you know when when he went down with that injury I really thought that the season was over for the Milwaukee Bucks I thought they would come and you know play hard and, and maybe win one game in the, uh, in the in this final series and um, you know Giannis being compromised might be the uh, the reason why they weren't able to pull through but you know they they were able to do that and more and and hoist the championship and that's all a credit to uh, to Giannis, um, but you know I I this series to me is you know one of the most entertaining series I've seen in my lifetime, Scott. Like we, I had no idea, uh, you know, if outside of Giannis being hurt, if if all things were equal across the board, I don't know if I would have felt good either way or or really been confident in my pick either way. You know, I I really would have struggled with it. Um, you know, if 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 uh, if all things, um, you know, were equal and, you know, even Sarge, you know, ended up being on the team, I don't, I don't know. We, we could play the series, I feel like. We could play the series 10 more times and we might get a different result, uh, you know, each time. I don't mm-hmm. think that, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, Stone Cold Lock that the Bucks are clearly better um, than the Phoenix Suns. And that's why we got to a sixth game. Like, you know, normally if five or less is, is normally the clear indication that your team is, is far better than the other team. But once you get to six to seven games, it, it, it is things have to break your way. You have to have one of those series shifting games. And we saw that from the Bucks. We saw that from Giannis. I know we're going to talk a little bit about Giannis, but I do want to shout out Chris Middleton. Uh, the way that he played in these playoffs, not just the finals, but in these playoffs was incredible. I think he silenced a lot of doubters. And, it, you know, this is what comes with winning a championship, right? Like you get to be able to never be doubted again because now people have seen you on the biggest stage perform well and you know do all the things that you're capable of doing it it reminds me a little bit of like Kyle Lowry's situation right like Kyle Lowry was in the position where everyone knew he was a good player an all-star there was you know I don't think there was anyone putting in the hall of fame uh but you know he wins a championship and now the conversation opens up I don't think we're there yet with Chris Middleton but he's still very early in his career uh, and he, he can get there, you know, a couple more all-star bids. If they're able to get back to the finals and win another one, now you're, now you're talking, right? Now now he becomes part of forever with the Milwaukee franchise. He's, they're definitely going to retire his jersey, and his journey is uh, is incredible to see, you know, from the G League second-round pick. Um, he had to develop into the type of player that he is. He did that, and he was able to be uh, on the grandest of stages with the biggest smile on his face, really, uh, you know, doing it alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and Drew Holiday. And, and Drew Holiday is you know he was killed in some of the games that he played poorly and offensively but defensively he was the missing piece no question about it that was that was always my critique and I don't mean to you know talk bad or talk down on Eric Bledsoe because Eric Bledsoe is a really good NBA player but he did hold this team back at points uh and and you saw it you know with the transition of Drew Holiday coming in he brought leadership. He brought stability and some clutch bucket making when you needed him. He's just a he's just a different level of player than Eric Bledsoe was. Like it, you're putting in the best guard uh, defender in the league potentially. Um, I think it's him and Ben Simmons one two and maybe Tybal. So or at least he's in the conversation. And then you have you know you have the ability to slow things down with him. Um, you know he's he's a floor general and he's going to be able to take and make big shots. And I don't think that. They had that the last two seasons, so adding him was huge. 
And then you have the Bobby Porter story. That's great. Uh, Connington played really, really, really well in these finals. It felt like he made almost every single corner three that he had. Like, I, I wouldn't be, sh- I don't know the number off the top of my head. I wouldn't be shocked if it's close to 55% from the corner, right? Like, he, he really felt like he was knocking down every single corner three in these finals. And uh, it, it was really great to see. And the last thing I'll say about the, the Bucks before we move on to Giannis is Coach Bud. Because I personally and other people, uh, you know, around the media and the basketball world and even fans have been crushing him for, you know, the lack of adjustments, um, you know, the failures in the playoffs last two seasons. A regular season coach can't get it in the 16 game playoff. He's he's an 82 game coach, not a 16 game coach. All these things. His job was literally on the line going into these playoffs. And I think that. A lot of people had him fired, you know, in in that second round against the Bucks, uh, or sorry, against the Nets. A lot of people had him, you know, fired in that in that third round in the conference finals against the the Hawks, especially when they lost Game One. So for him to come out of that and get to this point and win an NBA title, uh, that's an incredible, incredible story, you know, from from coaching for your job to now thinking about if you can do it multiple times is an incredible turn in just you know two months. So shout out to Coach Bud. He deserves a lot of credit. I haven't seen him get much of it. It's been a lot of Giannis. It's been a lot of Chris Milton, Drew Holiday, and even Bobby Portis. He, start, he needs to get some credit for what he did in these finals and throughout the playoffs because there was many times where he could he could have dug in his heels like he had in the past and stuck to what he knew, but he decided to take chances, make mistakes, learn from them, and it got him an NBA championship. So, uh, Bud, you, you deserve this one too. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And and a, a big thing about Bud too is, you know, they've had two pretty bad losses in the playoffs over the last couple of years, and it never seemed like he lost the locker room. You know, like all the guys seem to rally around him and trust him. And one of the big knocks on him throughout his career is he's never made, or he, it doesn't seem like he's made the the necessary adjustments in series that he needs to, or as quickly as the opposing coach does. And, you know, I, I think game one of this series, for example, you know, the, the Bucks come out and they decide to switch everything. And first of all, I don't think that's a move that, that Bud would have done last year or two, or two years ago. Um, but he tried it. Didn't work. No problem. You switch it up and you keep throwing things at it. See what you can do. See what works. Um, and it seems by that game three, they kind of found that formula um, and, and, you know, figured how they could kind of balance the scales in this series or even tip it towards their favor. Because like you said, the, the first three games of this series were decided by double figures. The last three were single digits. And it really did feel like, you know, a, a shot down. I mean, game, game three, uh, sorry, game four, obviously, Giannis had that incredible block. And that felt like kind of the game ceiling moment with a, around a minute left. In, in game five, there was the, the Drew Holiday steal on Devin Booker and, and pass to Giannis. Um, the alley-oop that that felt like that sealed the deal and even last night in in game six it felt like you know a shot here or there a stop here or there a turnover here and there kind of decided the game so this could have absolutely absolutely gone either way I feel like Um, but yeah credit to to Bud like you said for the adjustments that he made keeping this team together and and getting over the hump with them because it would have been easy I, I mean, even to your point, after that game two against the Nets series, it kind of felt like the writing was on the wall for him. Um, and this team continued to just grind it out and everything like that. So, um, yeah, very impressive run from them. Very impressive run from him. Drew Holiday did what he needed to do. Uh, the numbers are, are pretty incredible when you look at the matchup data. Um, like Chris Paul, Chris Paul actually scored pretty comfortably, according to the numbers. He scored like 41 points on 17 for 23 shooting um, when Holiday was guarding him. 
but he only had 12 assists and he committed nine turnovers. And Holiday really ramped up the pressure against him and made him uncomfortable. And he was able to keep him kind of quiet in two, two or three very important games for the Bucks. Um, but even more impressive, like Holiday spent a large time guarding Devin Booker. And according to the matchup data, held him to 24 points on 11 for 31 shooting. And Devin Booker committed six turnovers and only, five, and only had five assists with Holiday guarding him. So, I mean, those are the two best players on the Suns. And he split time on both of them, had success against both of them. Um, and I think that really does speak to, to kind of how well-rounded and just how really annoying <laughs> of a defender he is. Like, he just gets under guy's skin. He's so smart. He doesn't seem to foul guys, um, doesn't get baited into making silly mistakes. Um, yeah, it, it was just it was a very impressive series from the Bucs from top to bottom. Yeah, it really was. Um, but really impressive from a Giannis Antetokounmpo standpoint because Giannis was incredible in this playoff series. It is, you know, without question, one of the best playoff series I've ever, or final series, I should say, I've ever seen. Um, you know, I put that up. If, I, if I'm having the conversation off the top of my head of great performances, I've been alive to see Shaq's in there uh, from 2000 when they were able to, uh, the Lakers were able to beat the, the Indiana Pacers. He had an incredible final series. Um, I, I think about Jordan's 92, uh, or sorry, 93, 92, 93 series where they were able to get past the Phoenix Suns and he, you know, he, he, you know, Wins the, finishes the three-peat. Um, that was an incredible series. Obviously, LeBron James in 2016 um, was spectacular. You know, what he did there uh, was phenomenal. I'll go back to 95 with Akeem Olajuwon and the sweep over the Orlando Magic. I mean, he he looked like he was the best player in the league and, and, and proved it on the floor uh, in that series. Um, and then, you know, the Kevin Durant series, uh, you know, were in 2017. You know, he was, he was spectacular with the Golden State Warriors. But uh, even D-Wade, no six. But I, I think... Out of all those series, I, I think I could only put one or two uh, in the conversation for what we just saw from Giannis. And for me, it would be Shaq in, in, in 2000 and Michael Jordan in 93. Uh, I think those are the only two series I could I could think of uh, that would have an argument to be better of what we saw from Giannis. And it's tough because we're in the moment um, and, and still kind of it's not even 24 hours after you know digesting what we saw. But I will say this. The numbers speak for themselves. You know, like you can go into all the details. And I know you will, Scott, in a sec. But what really sticks out for me is that this dude's leg was bent back like a bow and arrow a week before they played game one of the NBA Finals and performed like it didn't even happen. Like, we're not even hearing reports of him looking at getting it scoped at all. Like, he, when he went down with the injury, I, I think 95% of people thought that it was over for him. That was the end of his year, and we would wait to see him in October when the league started again. And he missed two games, and he was back on the floor, and he was back with a vengeance. It, it almost is like he came back better than when, when he left. Like, he came back more <laughs> patient. Uh, he understood, you know, he understood the task. He understood that no one could guard him on the floor, and it was all it all culminated with the 50-piece that he gave uh, the Suns in the, in the closing game. He was awesome, and I think when the story is told 20 years from now, if people don't put into context that this dude looks as if he might not even be able to play in the series um, to even put up the numbers that he did with the injury, it's easy to forget about that because his performance was so great. I, I just need that to be a part of the story because that was spectacular. Hey, you, you said that you thought he'd be out until October. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. Looking at that injury, I thought he was done for next season too. Like that that looked like he wrecked his knee to the point where he wouldn't be able to play. So yeah, to go from that a week later, I, I thought he did look a little 
hesitant, I guess, in game one of the series, which, I mean, no, no one should be surprised by that. But it felt like from the opening tip of game two onwards, um, like you said, he was just better than he's ever been before. And I mean, to your point on where the series ranks of all time, I'm not a historian. I'm, I'm not the person to kind of place all these performances. I, I probably would put what LeBron did against that war that Warriors team um, to bring Cleveland its championship ahead of it. But I mean, for example, game score, which is not a perfect stat. No stat is perfect, but it kind of it's this box score metric created by John Hollinger. If you're not aware of it, um, that gives like a rush a rough measure of a player's productivity for a single game or series. Based on that. Giannis just had the best series we've ever seen. Um, and again, take that for what it's worth. I'm sure people, it's, it's a debate if this is the greatest performance we've ever seen in all time. But it's it's in there. It's in the conversation. And, you know, he, he was absolutely dominant offensively. You and I have talked about kind of the progression that he's made in these playoffs. Um, it, it just feels like almost by, by the game, he got smarter. He got more comfortable. Um, he, he played more to his strengths. Like, you, you've talked about this several times about how Giannis, you know, he, he can be reckless and he he's prone to to what feels like a charge or two a game because he just puts his head down and barrels his way to the basket without really thinking about it. And when was the last time you remember that happening? Like, I can't think of one time in this series off the top of my head when he did that. Um, he was just so methodical and smart in his approach in this series. He trusted his teammates. It felt like he made all the right decisions. He was much more willing to play off ball. Um, in game six, he still took a couple questionable jump shots, I feel like, or, or jump shots you wish he hadn't have settled for. But basically, since that game five against the Nets in the second round, he's like cut his three-point attempts in half. And again, just kind of doubled down on his strengths. But it's it's not just that, you know, it, it is also the passing. Um, it's his rebounding. He's one of the best rebounders in the league, and it allows the Bucks to play smaller with him at center next to a Bobby Portis or something like that. And obviously, defensively, I mean... He's a one-time defensive player of the year. Um, you can make the case that he's the best defender in the league right now. And his ability, I, hes I, I think it's safe to say he's the best help defender, if nothing else, in the league. And we saw it in Game 4 when he got that block on DeAndre Ayton on that alley-oop. He had five blocks, I think it was, in Game 6. It just felt like he was erasing everything that came around the basket. But he's also a seven-footer with super long arms who can kind of basically guard every single position and gives the Bucks the option of switching when he's at center. And he can he can hang with a Chris Paul or a Devin Booker for a possession here or there and get them to take a tough shot. So it was just an all-time performance from him on both ends of the court. And beyond even the numbers, it was the moments. You know, I, we've talked about it. It was the blocking game four. It was the alley-oop in game five. And in game six, he did everything. But I also think... He had, what, a 20-point third quarter in Game 6. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier on our, on our call with the rest of our NBA.com staff. And it feels like that, like, I, I forgot about it after the game because there was so much that went on. But in that third quarter, the Suns did kind of go overrun. And it looked like they were going to kind of create some distance from them and the Bucks. And when no one else on that team had it go going, Giannis just did what he did had another 20-point quarter, um, kind of kept the game close, and then they took off in the fourth quarter from there. So he, he just did absolutely everything for this team. I, it's hard to to kind of put it all into context, even after saying all that, because he just was spectacular. Um, and, you know, he's made a lot of history in the process. He's now one of only three players in NBA history with an MVP award, a Finals MVP award, and a Defensive Player of the Year award, the others being Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. Giannis is the youngest of the three to do it. Um I guess that's a nice way to kind of wrap a bow on it and ha just how incredible he's been. Spectacular. You, you mentioned the game score, um, you know, number. It was uh, if you're if you're 
privy to game score and you're interested, 31.9 was the number for his game score performance. That is top of all time in terms of a final series. Second is Shaq from 2000. He was at 30.6, and he was incredible in that series. Uh, Then you have Kevin Durant from 2017. You have Shaq again from 02 and LeBron James from 2017 as well uh, to to close out the top five. And if you want to know where Michael Jordan's best uh, game score from a final series ranks, uh, that's sixth. It's actually a tie uh, with with uh, LeBron James's 2017 performance. Of course, that was in a losing effort for LeBron. Um, Jordan was incredible in that series. Uh, that was against the Phoenix Suns. Um, that that's. Like I, I said off the top, that that is in my all-time, um, you know, final series performance from Michael Jordan. His numbers uh, were, were simply sensational in that in that final series, um, and you know, Giannis <laughs> tops that all. Um, and then I think the one that jumps out to me when I went and looked at it. Uh, because I was I was really trying to put it into context of like okay you know, I've seen Jordan do this in the finals let me go back and look at the numbers that he put up and when I look at that ninety three finals uh, with Michael Jordan uh, they they took the the Phoenix Suns to six games they were able to win on the road everyone remembers that he averaged forty one points eight point five rebounds six point three assists one point seven steals he shot fifty percent fifty point eight percent from the field Scott guess what he shot from the foul line. I I can't even imagine. I'm sure it's missing one or two. <laughs> Michael Jordan shot 69% oh, from the okay. field, or sorry, from the foul line in that series. Giannis shot 65% <laughs> from the foul line in the finals, and we were crushing him for his poor shooting. Now, obviously, that number took a huge leap by him going 89% from the foul line. We'll give him 90 to bump up from the foul line in game six, where he just didn't, he was automatic from the foul line. Uh, but for him to finish the, the finals, you know, at 65%, really 66%, because it was 65.9, that's an incredible feat. Like, that is sensational. Absolutely. And when you put it into context that Jordan's best playoff run in the finals, in my opinion, that he shot. 69% from the field or from the foul line, and no one ever brings that up. I mean, we should not talk about what Giannis did from the foul line ever again. Like, I mean, it, he proved that when the game is on the line, he's going to make them. For Shaq's best playoff series, which is the year 2000, I think no one will ever debate that. His best playoff series in the finals, he shot 39% <laughs> from the free throw line. 39% from the free throw line, and Giannis doubled that. So I don't want to hear about Giannis's free throw shooting being poor anymore. I think he proved it and proved that you know he can make it when it counts. Um, that was an incredible performance, and I, I really want people to understand what we saw. It was historic. Like it, we, we should never lose sight of that. And it's easy. We do it all the time, and, and especially in the NBA. I, I've already heard it. Uh, can they do it again? You know, can, can Giannis now catch Jordan? Can he? Uh, is he the best player in the league? Well, let's stop all that. He, he first of all, we're, there's going to be plenty of time for that conversation in weeks to come. And if you're debating that whether he's the best player in the league, then I don't think you, you're ever going to put him at the top of the list after seeing what he did. You know, in the in the NBA Finals. But we can all agree on one thing: it was great. It was spectacular. And let's give him credit where credit is due because that was an all-time great performance and it is hard to win. So give him the opportunity to just celebrate in the greatness. I know he's probably still at the Chick-fil-A line waiting for those 50 uh, <laughs> those fifty uh, minis, the chicken minis yep. to, to come his way. They're probably still making them. But, I, I mean, we, we really should take a step back and truly appreciate what a great performance it was 
from uh, a potential all-time great in, in this league. I mean, he's he's an all-time great. I, I think that's fair to say, even at this age. Like, this guy is a Hall of Famer um, if he retired today. And obviously, he's not going to retire today. And there's still a lot. I mean, the scary thing is he still has a lot of room for improvement, right? Like, teams are still going to foul him and send him to the free throw line, even though he went 17 for 19 in a, a title-clinching game. Um, teams are still going to get him to settle for jump shots or try their best to because that's kind of the, the hole in his game. But, um, I mean, he, he's already one of the most dominant players in the league. And you're, you're right. I, I feel like the NBA calendar is so crazy now because, like, you look up the drafts next week. After that, it's free agency, and we're going to talk about Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul and are they going and, and all this and that. But it, it is easy to take for granted. Like, this is what every single team in the league is building towards is this moment. Um, and we just witnessed an all-time performance from an all-time great, to your point, that, and, and brought a championship to a small market that hasn't won a title in in 50 years um and this guy signed uh an extension with the franchise before he even had to he could have he could have played out this entire season see what happened and then sign the extension but he did it beforehand wanted to take that pressure off of him and his teammates and not you know have that be a question all season long um you know what are you going to do in free agency and all that and he delivered and you're right i i don't i don't have the quote right in front of me so i don't want to put words in his mouth um but i i do think i remember seeing something in his post game uh, press conference and you know absolutely he wants to win another championship and that's what he's going to be fighting for but winning a championship with this team in this situation if if that's all it ends up being in his career I think he said he'd be satisfied and I think you know it, it's it's almost like the Dirk title in Dallas right that that one title almost feels more um, than some people's two or three titles not not to right. name any names or anything like that because um, obviously every championship counts the same but um, it does feel like those homegrown players who stick with their franchise and win one those feel like a little bit more so yeah just an all-time performance from an all-time great and it, it's it's going to be it, it, i mean I, I can't wait to see how they go from here but uh it is important to kind of appreciate the moment appreciate what we just saw um and yeah i mean give give Giannis his flowers even though he's still young still a lot to play um it's important to kind of recognize greatness when it happens yeah, and on the other side, um, let's let's talk about the Phoenix Suns quickly here because they, they had an incredible year. Uh, finished second in the Western Conference. Um, they get to their first finals since '93. Obviously, they fail. They're two wins away from from getting there. Um, but like I said off the top, you know, or when we were talking about Giannis, winning is hard. And I think that we, as a collective in the NBA, you know, sphere that we live in and work in. Uh, take for granted, you know, teams that get to the finals and, you know, or, or even just win the championship and even teams that make the playoffs. Really, it's not easy. It's not easy to win in this league. Um, you know, I, I could think of a couple teams off the top of my head because uh, I, I think people are looking at Phoenix and because they're a young team, you just kind of assume that, hey, they're, they're going to be around there again. You, you just never know. You know, th this might have been their last shot. You know, this might have been their one opportunity where they make the finals and we don't see them again for another 20 years in, in, the, in the finals. It, it's it, it could happen. It really could happen that way. I look at, um, you know, the New York Knicks when they made it in 94 and then 99 and we haven't seen them. They haven't been they barely been relevant since, you know, that they, they haven't got to, you know, the uh, the conference finals since. And you look at, you know, the, the, the Portland Trailblazers in 92, they get there and. Where have they been since? They haven't been back to the finals. You, you think about, um, you know, the Orlando Magic. They got there twice in, in my lifetime. They get there, uh, you know, in, in, in 95 and then in, in, uh, in 09 with Dwight. And 
they haven't been back since, and they're and they're scraping to get into the playoffs. Like it, this isn't easy to just make it. You know, it, this is not easy to just make it. The New York, the New Jersey Nets, same thing. They went to they went to two finals in a row, played two different teams, lost both times, and we haven't been you know been able to see them back since. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that changes now. Um, next season in Brooklyn, they do definitely have a shot. Same with the Sixers. You know, in 0-1, they make it. Allen Iverson's only trip to the finals, you know, and, and he does, hasn't been back since. So um, it is really, really, really hard to just make the finals in the NBA. They should just get a lot of credit, um, meaning the Phoenix Suns. And I hope the Suns fans, even though uh, it's tough to lose in the NBA finals, I, I don't know what that's like. I really don't. I'm, I'm, I haven't had, a, uh, haven't been a fan of a team to, to get to the finals and, and lose that way, um, other than my Buffalo Bills. But uh, that's a story for a different time. They went to four straight <laughs> and lost all four. So that's tough. But just just I would rather have those moments again because the, the Bills haven't been great, you know, since that that run. Um, I, I would take that, uh, you know, knowing that you're you're in the running to get to the finals, at least versus, you know, what what Phoenix had to endure over the last couple of years prior to this season. So hopefully the Phoenix Suns fans could, could take that in and, you know, appreciate what they saw as a scene, a season. I'm not saying by any means that, you know, it, it's not going to happen again for them, but it might not. Like it was really, really hard in the NBA to just make the finals, even make the playoffs. Uh, not every team, you know, has the luxury of just getting back there year in year out. And, uh, you know, for, for these two teams, the Bucks and, and the Suns, for them to get there this year and perform the way they did, I, I think these fans should be appreciative of it. And on the Phoenix side, definitely appreciate it, even though you were two wins away again from winning an NBA championship. It was the second time in a row they get there and, you know, they lose a game six. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll throw one more team at you. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder, when they had Russell right. Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant. And it felt like that first finals loss though that loss to the to the heat to lebron james in the heat that kind of just felt like you know this is a young team a young call this is their first time there but they'll be back um and you know then james harden gets traded then russell westbrook gets injured then kevin durant gets injured and then the stars never quite aligned for them even though you know they almost beat the warriors that that one season that kind of felt like that would have been their best chance to kind of make it back but it is it's just so unpredictable um even this season you look at all the teams that we thought we're going to be title contenders and it, an injury here or there kind of takes them out of the race. Um, it, 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 you really, you do need a lot of luck. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I know people have been talking about, you know, the, the Suns were lucky that, you know, the, the Lakers were banged up in the first round. The Nuggets were banged up in the second round. The Kawhi Leonard didn't play in the third round. The reality is every single team, I think, if you look, that's won the championship of the last decade plus has had some form of luck go their way. Um, and that's just the reality of the situation. So it's it's very tough. Um, I think you're right. They do have to just kind of appreciate to be in this moment. But um, I mean, the, the positive are that beyond really Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, this is a very young team um, and they, they have a very bright future. And who knows what their championship window will be. But this between Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikel Bridges, like that's that's a core I think any team in the league would sign up for um, and gives them a chance over the next five to ten years to build something special. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be a big offseason for them. And, and what happens with Chris Paul is obviously the headliner because he has a player option in his contract for next season. If he declines that, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. I think, you know, all, all the signs kind of point towards him being with the Suns, whether he picks up that player option or re-signing it. But if he does opt out, I mean, you know he's going to get a lot of interest around the league. There's already talks about the Lakers looking for a veteran point guard and Chris Paul being on their list. The Knicks could throw a ton of money his way if they wanted to, he's, and he's not they need a point guard. He's not I, going I, I'm just saying, he's going to have plenty of options, so that's going to be a big one. But also, 
you know, Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton are both extension eligible this offseason and both are going to command a lot of money. And if they don't become, sign an extension this season, um, they'll be restricted free agents next offseason. So obviously, you know, the Suns are still going to have control, but um, it, it is going to be a big offseason for them um, as they kind of look to, to, to build back up again and try and get back to the stage because the West was crazy this year. It's going to be crazy again next year um, and the East will too. It's not going to quiet down anytime soon. I don't. Uh, I, I'm still. I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about this last run for Chris Paul. Um, and, and when I say last, I don't mean the last of his career, but this this run here, you know, yep. in in the playoffs. Because on one hand, I know how hard it is to get to the finals and and try to win a ring. And then on the other hand, I'm wondering, you know, with with a player of his caliber, of his greatness, does he need to have a championship ring? to really solidify, you know, his entire career. And probably most people would say the answer is yes. But, you know, a lot of prior to this year, he was on that list of, you know, greatest players of all time to never even play in a final series, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we, we you know, we, we talked about it in our call yesterday. Like we, we took for granted that LeBron James went to 10 straight finals. He didn't win it every time, but just getting there is a feat in itself. Chris Paul had to work and claw for years and years and years to get there and this was the result. So, uh, but he still, you know, was able to reach the final series and say that he he played in six games uh, of an NBA Finals at age 35, and, and still has a little bit, you know, of gas left in his tank to potentially make it there in the future. I, I I'll list you some of the names off the top of my head, Scott, that have never played in an NBA Finals game. The one that's always going to be near and dear to my heart is, is Steve Nash. You know, Steve mm-hmm. Nash almost played 60 playoff games and never got to the finals. That's insane. Like, and he and you think about the teams that he was on. We're, we're talking about Phoenix Suns teams that were winning sixty games in the regular season easily and never got to the finals. Um, you think about Joe Johnson. I think a lot of people um, will 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 forget how nice Joe Johnson really was. And even even you know after you know he started to decline, he was still on some really good teams coming off the bench that still couldn't get over the hump. Um, you know, Jermaine O'Neal, another one uh, that, I, that I could think of that never made the finals. Uh, and if you remember how good those Indiana teams were, you know, uh, in, in those early 2000s, um, that that was a really, you know, bef- bef- around the mouths of a palace time. Th- those Indiana Pacers teams were really, 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 really good. Um, and they never made the finals or Jermaine O'Neal rather never made the finals. And, you know, speaking of the Pacers, you know, Paul George, he was, you know, on the cusp of making the finals against, you know, when he led the Pacers to Miami, you know, and would lose in a game seven there. And we still haven't seen him get back to the finals, you know. So there's a lot of players in my lifetime that I could think of just off the top of my head that, you know, never made it. Chris Webber, you know, Vince Carter. Those are other names. You know, there are so many great players. Melo, of course. You know, is Melo ever going to see an NBA Finals? (laughs) Probably not. Um, you know, unless he teams up with LeBron and Chris Paul in LA, that's that remains to be seen. It's time um, for the banana boat to reunion. Yeah, that, that might it be it. That might be it. Like, remember, like Derek Rose was right yep. in the conference finals many times, and um, you know, before his injuries, people were like, Oh, he, he's he's definitely gonna win one. That that's not happening. He, he hasn't even made the finals yet for him to, to have that opportunity. Um, so it, there is a lot of great players that never make the finals, uh, and and Chris Paul is no longer on that list. Now he's on the list of players uh, that played a long time that never got a ring, and that is a tough list for for you to be on. But I, I still think that 
A, with, with some gas left in his tank. Um, this Phoenix Suns team, whether he decides to stay or not, I, I think he should stay. Um, but they, they're right there. You know, they, obviously, they, they, you know what they need now. They need some size. Uh, and, and I think a little bit of toughness. They were missing that outside of Jay Crowder. I don't know that they have uh, another tough body. And when I mean toughness, I don't mean someone that's a – you know, like the NHL where you send them out and, you know, start a fight, you know, or, you know, I, I don't mean anything like that, but you do need a little bit of nasty. Someone's going to set a solid screen. Um, you know, someone like Bobby Portis, that is not just a tough player or a tough minded player, but someone that, you know, the crowd can get behind with an energy player too. I don't know that the Phoenix Suns had that this year. You know, the, I think that's one element to their series that they were missing. And, and, you know, the, the, the Bucks definitely had in the Portis and definitely PJ Tucker, right? Like I, I think that they were mm-hmm. missing, you know, something like that uh, in Phoenix. So, and there's players out there that they can go out and, and, you know, and attract in free agency now that those players have seen, you know, Phoenix play at a high level. They've seen that arena rocking, you know, uh, it, that, that seems like a fun environment to be in. And then Monty Williams looks like a guy that I would run through the wall for. Like that is a hey, you're not alone great, there. great head coach. <laughs> Great head coach. So they have the ingredients there. I, I think they, they know what they need to add to get to the next level. Now, sometimes that's the great part about losing in the finals. You, you, you know how close you are and you know what you need to get to the next step. And I do think that some of that's already on the team. Like Darius Arch played two minutes in the entire mm-hmm. final series. And I think, I don't know if he tips the series completely where Phoenix is going to win the championship, but I, I don't think they get crushed on the boards the way they do if Darius Arch is playing. Um, and, and that makes it a little bit more of an even battle. So, some of that's already on their team, but they, they definitely need to go out and get some size and, and, and toughness, in my opinion. And hopefully Chris is still there and, and, and they could, you know, potentially run it back. But, um, you know, I, I do think that there is a future for the Phoenix Suns team, but it's not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. Uh, LeBron's streak, I believe, was eight straight trips to the finals, by the way, which we, we did talk about that and that in the moment. That, that was incredible. Um, a lot was made of it, but it feels like one of those streaks that the further removed we are from it, we're going to look back with even more appreciation because it's it's just absolutely absurd. But um, yeah, I mean, look, this, this Suns team's young. Yeah, Devin Booker, I feel like, made has just grown tremendously since he first came in the league, first of all. But to think that this was his first playoff run and the way that he played, I think, speaks a lot to his potential and the kind of the player that he already is. And you kind of expect him to continue to improve, right, based on his age and everything like that. I also think DeAndre Ayton, you know, number one pick in the draft. Like, you, you do expect those kind of players to make continue making leaps. And I, I think he took a huge leap this season. I thought he was going to be, um, I, I think he betting favorite even. He was among the betting favorites to, to, to take the most improved player of the year award. And I wrote right. about that before the season. And obviously, he didn't end up in that discussion. But I think, you know, if, if we voted on most improved based on the start of the regular season to the end of the playoffs, he, he, he might have been a finalist. Like, he was, he made that much of a leap in the playoffs. Um, because I do think, you know, right now, one of the, I think one of the, the, not the flaws with this team, that feels like a little too much, but it feels like they could do with another playmaker, right? Because it's so much is on the shoulders of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And at times they kind of feel like they're the only ones who can kind of set everyone up or or kind of call the shots. And, you know, whether that's Aiden becoming a better post-up player, um, whether that's, you know, someone like a Cameron Payne having a bigger role in this team or taking on, um, you know, more responsibility. It does feel like they kind of need one more player because you saw it with the Bucks, right? Like Giannis is the head of the snake. Everything runs through him, but there's moments when Chris Middleton has the ball in his hands and he's running pick and roll after pick and roll and pick and roll. Um, and he also led, by the way, the playoffs in clutch scoring. 
And then also Drew Holiday. He had a couple really rough games in the finals. He also had a couple really big ones offensively. And that ability for him to run a pick and roll, pull up from mid-range, um, get going from three like he did, I think it was in game three when he hit five threes. Like, you need those kind of players. So I, I don't know if that's kind of in-house, the, the Suns are going to be able to address that, or if it's in the draft, or if it's in free agency. But it does feel like they could do with one more ball handler. And that's really hard, by the way. Like, that that's why the Bucks put all their chips in the, the middle of the table and went for Drew Holiday. Um, defensively, obviously, but offensively too, having that dynamic. So it's not like those players grow on trees and that they have limited um, ability to kind of make one of those moves. But I, I do feel like that's something they, they might look to address. You can't win at a high level in the NBA if you do not have two ball handlers on the floor that can create their own shot and create for others. And I'm not just talking about a guy that has high assists because he's attracting double teams and, and kicking it out for open threes. Because that that's sort of what like Giannis brings to the table. That's what Kawhi brings to the table, right? Like those those type of players are going to have high assist numbers because they can able to look over the floor and and, and see open shots. And all you got to do is knock them down. I'm talking about ball handlers in the way of a Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. I, that's what this playoffs really stood out to me. Uh, even yeah. Atlanta, you know, Trey Young and 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 the big step up uh from um Kevin Herter that, that I mean we didn't know and that Kevin Herter Bogdanovich was incredible too but we didn't yeah. know that Kevin Herter could play at that level you need to have ball handling players whether it's a wing or a guard to be able to create and and feed others otherwise you're toast like the, the Knicks don't have that and that's why they were out in five you know um there, there's certain teams in the nba that you could get done in the regular season and you know finish in the top four top five uh and, and be able to be a tough team uh, maybe a tough out in the play but you're not winning at a high level without that that's why we saw the denver nuggets go out the way they went out because they just you know outside of Jokic, they didn't have that you know once jamal murray went down and and we haven't seen porter jr get to that level where he can be that guy so you need to have two at all times to even be in the conversation to win at a high level. And uh, I think a lot of teams are going to be looking for that in the draft. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that next week, but it, that's that's what stood out to me. You know, when you when you think about because, you know, I, I thought about this, you know, the uh, the NBA champion, um, you know, Chip, what, what the Warriors won their first one in, in this run. It was all you know, shooting and spacing. The league tried to copy that, and obviously that's tough to do. And then you know it, it, you're you're looking at you know getting size on the perimeter, and, and you know forgetting about you know being able to play small. That that you know that was a, a a big deal. And now I think people are realizing that you need guard play. You need guys that can you know find open spots for themselves and knock down knock down open shots, but also uh, be able to create for others. And that's that's tough to find, you know. It really is tough to find and that's that's the way you mm-hmm. kind of have to build your team going forward. And the thing with like Drew Holiday is another I mean we we've, we've spoke about him a lot, but you know, he had some really up and down games offensively for himself in these playoffs. He also averaged 8.7 assists per game yeah. um since that game one against the Heat. Like he had a couple big passing games in these finals even in game five he had 13 assists in game six he shot four for 19 but he had 11 assists you know like it it, ha- it helps having guys who teams have to respect as a scorer but can also break teams down and make the right play time and time again um so yeah i mean the bucks had three players in that right and chris milton drew holiday and Giannis. and i even think back to like the lakers last season obviously they have lebron james and anthony davis but like rajon rondo was huge for them in that playoff right. run and that ability to kind of just give him the ball take some pressure off of lebron run a run a few pick and rolls here and there and get a good shot out of it like you need those plays and again like this series was close the the first three games 
uh, were decided by double figures. The rest of them were single single digits. And a, a, a made shot here or there for either team could have changed the outcome of this. So it's all in the margins. And I think the Suns have two ball handlers, two elite ball handlers in Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And if there's a chance that they can get a third one, um, you know, not necessarily at the same stage as them or the same caliber of player as them, but someone who can kind of take that pressure off of them, I think that would go a long way as well. But yeah, I mean, the mid-range in particular... Um, feels like it got a, a big boom in these playoffs. And it helps that we had three of the best mid-range scorers in the league in Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Chris Middleton on this stage. But I do think, you know, after all those battles between the Cavaliers and the Warriors, this this was almost like a reset, I feel like, um, and kind of really showed the value of the mid-range and having guys who can kind of pull up on a dime um, and just beat defenses in a variety of ways. So... Um, it, it does feel like you know every few years this happens and we have teams kind of copying each other and going in a different direction. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see if there is uh, more appreciation or more love from the mid-range kind of moving forward after the series. I think there will be because I think most people are realizing there's only one Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. You know, the, the, not everyone could play that yep. way. So um, we're, we're going to see it, you know, going forward. And it's good. You know, we, you have variety and, and also the opportunity for other players to step up. And when you mentioned those two ball handlers on Phoenix before we move off of them, they may already be on the team. Like if M- Mikael Bridges can work on his handle this offseason, right. that might be the guy. You know, he doesn't, he, as you said, he's not going to be Devin Booker or Chris Ball, but in moments, if he can find his own. And he did a little bit of that, uh, you know, in some spots in the finals, but it's definitely not something that defenses are going to have to, you know, pay attention to too much uh, in fear of losing a season. And uh, Cam Johnson, another one. You know, if he if he's yep. able to figure out a way to put it on the deck a little bit more, that's that will be interesting and make Phoenix a, a, a different play, a different team um, heading into next season. All right, that's let, what, let's. Uh, go sorry, ahead. one more thing. That, but that's why I find DeAndre Ayton so interesting because you know, obviously, the big reason for kind of his development or or him playing the way that he did in these playoffs is because he kind of did become a more traditional role playing big man, which is like set screens, hang out in the dunker spot. And it plays to his strengths and he does it so well. But like as a number one pick in the 2018 NBA draft, not to throw Luca's name in there, Trey Young's name in there, like you do expect him to continue taking those steps. And I'm very interested to see kind of the play that he does become. Like is does he continue kind of going down the path that he is now or is he someone that you can run more of your offense through? Um, again, whether it's in the post, whether it's in the elbow, is he a guy who's going to eventually develop into like a pick and pop big? So I think that's going to be very interesting to see kind of his development over the next few years because I think that kind of... That can go a long way in, in how long this window is open for the Phoenix Suns, but also kind of change the tra- trajectory of the franchise as a whole. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, let's move on to the Olympics quickly before we get out of here. Um, the, the Olympics are happening. Uh, the 2020 Tokyo Games, we'll still call it that, even though it's happening in 2021. Um, and on both sides of the coin, meaning male and female, there will be a basketball tournament that should be pretty competitive. Um, it, it, when you look at the field, uh, it's, we'll start with the men. Um, you know, I, there are I think five teams that stick out to me that have a chance of not just meddling but winning gold. Uh, and in, in no particular order, I'll go to U.S., I'll go Australia, I'll go Spain, Argentina, and and I'll think I'll throw in Slovenia because of the Luca factor. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything that you're really looking forward to seeing? Um, you know, from an Olympic perspective, when we get going here. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what Luca does in his first Olympics, um, especially how he played in the qualifying tournament. Like, I, I think 
you know the 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 FIBA game better than I do and most people do but uh the fact that he went for what like a 30 point triple double in that clinching game like we get we're getting kind of numb to triple doubles in the NBA at this point but for him to do it in in the FIBA game is just absolutely outrageous so I'm excited to see what he does I'm excited to see what Australia does like this feels you know this team has never meddled before um correct me if I'm wrong and it seems you know they've had this call together for so long in Joe Ingles in Patty Mills um, and Matthew Delvadova, it kind of feels like this is what they're building towards. And obviously, Matisse Tybel signed me up for any time to watch Matisse Tybel fly around screens and block shots and use his long arms to pick off passes. Um, so I'm excited to see Australia. And obviously, I mean, Team USA, based on the way they played in the exhibition games, they struggled to begin with. It seems like they kind of found their rhythm by the end there. But um, I mean, it's hard to know what this team is going to look like because what well, they they just traveled to Tokyo. I can't remember the exact number of players who traveled, but I think it was like eight. And there's three more on the way in Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. Um, so I, I'm fascinated to see, like, can they kind of put it all together and make a gold medal run like everyone expects them to? Um, but also, you know, this is Damian Lillard's first time in the Olympics. I'm excited to see what he can do on this stage. Kevin Durant has been on this stage twice before, won two gold medals. Um, I think it's going to be a big opportunity for him to kind of be the leader of this team and, and really, you know, lead them to that gold medal and cement himself. Because, I mean, we just spent 20 minutes, 25 minutes talking about how great Giannis is. But the reality is this time six weeks ago, I think we were talking about Kevin Durant looking like the best player in the world again. So it'll be fun <laughs> to kind of see if he can kind of kind of make that an interesting conversation um, with his performance in the Olympics. So th- those are kind of like the three teams and some of the players that I have my eye on. But again, I mean, you know this this game much better, th- this kind of format better than I do. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to call games uh, for FIBA internationally. And it's funny, uh, this morning, Jeff Taylor, the voice of FIBA, um, he's, he's the Marv Albert of FIBA. He, he's the guy. And uh, he and I, um, I subbed in for one of his uh, color commentators at the time, um, which I don't normally do color um but i did on this occasion because uh one of the guys got sick and we were in uh turkey we were in istanbul uh and i was scheduled to call uh two games he was scheduled to call two games um, but i subbed in and sat alongside of him to call ukraine versus slovenia and i hadn't even i didn't even remember that i did that game. talk about taking things for granted like i don't even remember that i did that game that was at Eurobasket <laughs> 2017 um, where Luka Doncic uh, led, helped lead Slovenia at age 22, or he's 22 now, but uh, I think he was 18. It was the summer before uh, he came into the NBA. And, he, I mean, he was spectacular in that game. You know, 14 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists um, in 24 minutes. And, it, you know, it just he just jumped off the page. Um, it was spectacular in that game. And then he followed up with a huge game against Kristaps Porzingis in Latvia where he had the tournament high for him, 27 points, 9 rebounds, uh, and, and shot 50% from the field. Like, um, he was the MVP of that tournament Like he, he, at, at age 18. You know, this is this is prior to him. This is when people were like, he can even play in the NBA. You know, it feels so, so long ago. Um, so I, I was able to actually, you know, I, I forgot, but I was able to actually see him, you know, at that age dominate the FIBA game. Um, and now he's coming back older, stronger, more wise. He's going to be, you know, must-see TV uh, at these Olympics. And this Slovenian team is is, is pretty good. They're missing Dragic, um, Goran Dragic. They have Zoran, not, but they, they're missing Goran, who, who retired, actually, after that Eurobasket. Um, but this is a team that I think – 
you know, it, they're going to be able to hang with anybody uh, just because of Luca's greatness. Um, so that that's a team that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. And, you know, I, I have a love for the Czech Republic. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really think the world of Thomas Sadaransky, um, Ronan Ginsburg, and that program, Ronan Ginsburg is the head coach there. Uh, they have surprised that each of the last major tournaments they've been at, the World Cup, the uh, Olympic qualifying tournament, which they just qualified for these Olympics in, uh, and they keep shocking everybody. You know, everyone keeps counting them out, and they keep finding a way. I I expect them to win a medal here. Like I I think that they're going to win bronze at least. Um, this is a wide open field. You know, in in two weeks, you know, it, it, there's not much prep time, and you only have two weeks to get it right. One loss here or there could be the end of your your run. So with a team that knows themselves and knows each other and they they have a role they stick to it um they're well coached i think that they can surprise some people and they're in a tough group with iran, iran france and, and the u.s and i i do expect them to shock either france or the u.s in one of these games here so it'll be interesting uh to see what the czech republic can do and, and if they can go on a run um they're my dark horse uh, in every tournament now going forward because i just think that they they have a chance uh whenever Whenever they're around, and and on the other side uh, for the women, um, you know this. I, I I spoke to I spoke to a couple of people about this. This there is a you know it's it's only twelve teams that go to the Olympics, right? So mm-hmm. I think ten teams, legitimately, maybe nine, realistically, have a shot at winning gold, not just meddling in these in, in these uh, Olympic games. Um, obviously, the U.S. is far and away the favorites, uh, but if they stumble at any point. There's eight other teams that really have a shot at winning goal, and that is, that's just to show you how deep this you know women's field is. If you're not watching the women's game in the Olympics, you're going to be missing out because every game is going to be competitive. Every game is going to be tough. There's so many different styles of play between the European teams, the North American teams, the Asian teams, even the team from Australia. They play a different style, and now without Liz Cambage, they're going to have to play a completely different style than they planned on playing heading into the Olympics. Like this is going to be tough. Uh, you know. Japan, the host nation, um, you know, if they're able to pull through, Tom Hobbes is their is their head coach. I have a, a lot of respect for him and, and the way that he coaches and how you know he's he's actually American. He, he I think he played at the University of Colorado. He had spent some time in the NBA, but um, you know became a big star, you know, playing in the Japanese league and now you know fluent in Japan in Japanese and now is the head coach of their women's program and has transformed it into like the modern day warriors where they take a ton of threes. And that's so different in the women's game. You don't see that often. Mm. Like every player on the floor is a threat to shoot threes and they get them up and either they're falling or they're not, but they're gonna they're gonna shoot them. And it, they either, you know, I, I've seen them come back dramatically, uh, being down double digits, and I've also seen them, you know, shoot themselves out of a game. But every time I've seen them, it's been entertaining, and they're the host nation, so um, they're gonna have a lot riding on them. Puerto Rico has never been to the Olympic Games before, uh, and they have a team, a core that's been together for a really long time. They're so excited to be there. Um, I, I don't think they have a shot of, of, of winning a medal at all. I, I think they're one of the two teams that I think are, are just you know in over their heads here. But if they're able to just win one game, it's going to mean so much for the development of basketball in that country, period. Um, so you, you that that's like the biggest things that you know I get excited for when we talk about the Olympics. It's, these countries go there, and sometimes basketball isn't the number one sport in their countries. Um, you know, other than really uh, on the women's side, anyway, other than really the U.S. like the, and, and maybe Australia. You know, 
basketball has come second. You know, all the European teams, mm. soccer is going to be the number one sport. Um, you know, you, you look at, you know, uh, Canada. Obviously, hockey is the number one sport. Puerto Rico, you know, you, you can look at basketball is number one sport in Puerto Rico, but the the female side does not get the, the funding that it deserves to, you know, even develop the program and develop the future of the game there. If they're able to win one game at the Olympic Games, that's going to be the, the, a huge difference for Puerto Rico and, and, and the growth of the game going forward there. Um, so I, I'm excited to see, um, you know, these teams compete at a high level. You know, some of these ladies that are over there, their Olympic dreams are going to be coming true. A lot of the women basketball players are actually going to be flag bearers, you know, at the at the opening ceremony. So that just tells you how important some of these athletes are in their individual countries. So it, it's going to be exciting. I don't want everyone to just focus on the men because we, we followed, especially in the media, we, we fall in love with, uh, you know, the NBA players. There are a ton of WNBA players that are going to be playing in the Olympic Games and also just pros around the world, um, you know, playing in the Olympic Games on the female side. And they, they, you're going to miss out if you're not watching these games. And correct me if I'm wrong, the United States women's national team is going for the seventh straight Olympic gold, right? Which yeah, is and it's absolutely that's incredible. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. So that'll be that'll be fascinating to see if they can kind of pull that off. I'm, I mean. You t- you told me how about how good Belgium is too, and you yeah, know, that really being good. that being my my adopted country, uh, having lived there for most of my life prior to moving to the United States, um, I'm excited to kind of see what they can do and and be able to follow them on this stage. So yeah, it's I'll definitely be tuning in. Um, everything that you said, it seems like it's going to be a, a great tournament for both the men and the women. So it's the Olympics are always fun. It's always exciting. Yeah, it it really is. It's uh. It's one of my favorite uh, times of the year. And then, you know, all the other sports that involve the Olympic Games, it's, that, I mean, we, we, we enjoy those as well. Um, next week, we're going draft heavy. Uh, we're going big time draft heavy with the draft coming up on Thursday. Um, we are a week and a day away from the NBA draft. Right now, I think everyone expects Kate Cunningham to go number one, but I think as we get closer to Thursday, we're going to hear a lot more rumors. Detroit probably going to put a bunch of smoke screens out there to just uh, let everyone know that you know they're open for business. What if they can you know pick up another piece here or there to, to accelerate their growth? You talk about teams that you know have had a tough time winning. Um, you know, when was the last time we saw the Pistons in a relevant spot? Like it's been since you know the middle of the two thousands, um, where you know they they were the champions went back to the finals and then since it's been quiet um so they're looking to get their guy and maybe Kay cunningham is that or maybe they find it, it somewhere else um but i'm excited about the draft and and, and excited to t- break it down with you fully next week and then your favorite time of the year after that is is you know free agency and that comes hot and heavy uh what is it august 2nd is free agency beginning free agency august 2nd at 6 eastern i think it is yep that sounds about right uh um, yeah. The NBA never slows down. There's always something wow. to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun over the it's next crazy. couple of weeks. It really is. Yep. But in the meantime, again, congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, if you haven't been able to do that, uh, to, to kind of take in what Giannis did, um, we have a bunch of articles on NBA.com for you to read. Head on over there. Uh, we try to put it in perspective how great he truly was. For Scott Rafferty, I am Carlin Gay. Uh, enjoy your week and we made it through another NBA season but guess what season begins with the NBA draft a week away and we'll be back to uh, break that down for you right here on NBA Sound System Sound System